All right, so we're recording. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. This is uh, my um, second episode of season two. And um, I don't know if you've listened to any of the podcasts, but um, my season one was a lot of hunting. Um, it was a lot of like outdoorsy stuff. And then my season two, I'm kind of trying to focus more on family. And I, I reached out to Nate um, because our last podcast I thought was really awesome. And like I said before we started talking, uh, pressing record, that I get a strong sense from Nate that he has a really solid uh, foundation and family. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to be here, uh, Barbie. So we're, we're speaking with uh, Nate Duckett, mayor of Farmington, and his wife, Barbie Duckett, correct? That's it. All right. So I want to start with you, uh, if that's okay, and just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and then also how you met Nate. So I'm a native of Farmington, born in Durango, but grew up in Farmington. Uh, left for about a decade and going to college in Las Cruces at New Mexico State, and then followed Nate around with some work before we returned in 2005. And so we met in high school, and he came here from Denver our sophomore year when we were 15, and we had Spanish class together and hit it off kind of from there, and the rest is history. I mean, I, ch it, I had to chase her for like two years before she actually went on a date with me. Just two so, years? <laughs> yeah, two years. But yeah, it worked out. It was a good date, and, and then we broke up. You broke up with me. But then we hung out every now and again. Really? You, know, you guys broke up? years, and then uh, she, was, she was about to graduate from New Mexico State, and I had called her up out of the blue and said, hey, what's going on? And I could tell right away that she still loved me, so... Really? Yeah. I mean, you guys really did break up? Yeah, oh, yeah. we only... We didn't date very long. No, we only dated school. a month. In high school. In high school, our senior year. And I think he got a little scared and dumped me. <laughs> Is that she true? said she really liked me. And that's what you do with girls when they tell you they really like you. You're like, all right, this was, this was, was too easy now. <laughs> <laughs> I chased for two years and now you really like me. Really? So. Nate, you dumped her? I did. Wow, after a month. After one month. Wow. And that was it. And then went on to have a, he went on to have another relationship for a little while and then that ended and so he decided to call me up sometime later and Yeah, we, but we'd hung out like throughout the college years we you know, we'd go see each other and I see. So we were still connected and my mother yeah. my mother always loved her the most and so I remember one day walking into my mom's house and there was a letter that Barbie had written and it was sitting on the counter just so I could see it when I came home. And uh, it, it said in there, I'm going to kick your sons next time I see them. Really? So that was my impetus to call her and see how she was doing. And so when he called, were you like, oh, my God? I didn't want to answer the phone because I told myself, don't fall for this guy. Don't fall for this guy. <laughs> really? It was oh, one yeah. of that? Yeah. And okay. so then we talked. That was like, I think, June or July. And we talked on the phone because he was in Albuquerque and I was in Las Cruces. And we talked for... A few months, and then he proposed over the phone without us seeing each other. Yeah, it's a really romantic. Fun, yeah, it's that's a, really romantic, Nate. Yeah, thanks. Over the phone. Well, it was one of those moments where it's like two o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. and you're like, you're just talking, and you've been talking all night long, and you're like, you know what, man, we should just get married. And that's what I said. That's, we should just get married. That was how the proposal went. <laughs> and she was, what did you say? Are you are you seriously asking me over the phone? I did, and I kind of. Then we spent two more hours. 
I did 120 questions because there was a lot of what if this and what if that and what do you think about this and what do you think about that? And then once he kind of answered some of that, um, I said, okay, let me sleep on it. So I called him the next afternoon and told him yes. Wow, that's really, that's actually a romantic story because it just kind of sounds like you guys were just having a really deep conversation and it just kind of was like, you know what? It just dawned on me. I should marry you. It was one of the, yeah, it was actually one of those kind of moments where it was like, you know, we should just get married. This seems like it would work out. We should, let's just do this. Let's stop pretending. Wow. And that was how many years ago? 23. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was um, September. It was Labor Day weekend of 23 years ago when he asked that question. I hadn't even seen him in like a year and a half or something like that. Wow. So that so. weekend I went up to Albuquerque and saw him and I was like, oh, okay. Let's do this. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> went and a, I went and bought a, a wedding, wedding ring. ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually a cool story. Yeah, and then following April, we were married. That's awesome. So um, 23 years later, mm-hmm. how's it been? It's been great. It's really been great. Yeah, it really is. It's really special. Really? I'm very fortunate. Yeah. Challenges? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Every relationship is always a challenge, but I think we've, uh, I think we've gotten better. As we've gotten older, and you, know, you you have less moments where you put your ego in front of anything, it's, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. So I find that our our relationship is much smoother sailing. Um, and you know, two kids and six animals, and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was an eye roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was a cute one. It was yeah. like I still love you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it, I, I tease. It, it was the animals or more children. Uh-huh. I don't know what's has been cheaper, um, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, I got when I walked in. I I kind of got that you guys have really good chemistry, though. Like you're just kind of bouncing off each other, and everything is just like kind of chill, you know. And uh, that's that's neat. Like, you can kind of feel that. I was, I was, you know, not to, you know, I was kind of hoping, oh, we have all these challenges and this is how we handle them. But it sounds like it's well, pretty smooth sailing. Well, there's been challenge. I mean, there is challenges. Just right, right now is really smooth. Everything's really good. We're in a good kind of a, in, in unison together, I think, on a lot of things. And but you know, you learn over the years those touchy points, and when you've you know, you push things too far. Is this subject really something I want to, you know, climb the hill and fight on? Um, and you kind of change that. So just mentality. Picking your battles, basically, is what it sounds like. That's absolutely it. I, I can say that's my biggest learning moment was, is this worth bringing up? And what am I going to gain out of this? But yeah. there's also a lot of give and take. So you start communicating those things <clears throat> over the years about, what does bother you? What's a pet peeve? You know, where you need help? You know, what's an issue? And where he is the winner in this is that he, he adapted to those things and he gives those things and he does the things without having to be asked. And I think, you know, I I see a lot of jokes here and there about nagging wives and things like that. And I'll probably still do that. Hopefully not as much as I did in years before, but it's because I don't have to ask for things to be done or do this or say this or don't do that because he realized those needs and adapted to that and provides. And so then there's not the turnaround and going, you know, can you take out the trash or whatever the annoying things that wives nag about because it's already done. 
He knows what needs to be done. I know what needs to be done. We take care of those things. And so there's not this bitterness bitterness that arises from those issues. You've had bad roommates in your life. You know, it's tough to deal with folks who don't have the same values or principles on what it means to maintain a home. And that's a really important component of a marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was raised in a house where my mother's, you know, cleanliness was next to godliness mentality. And there was demand for perfection. And of course, as a kid, you always fight that. And I think it's been certainly some growing time. Um, but, you know, there's no sinks in our dishes or no dishes in our sink anymore, ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that helps. Because it's, it's, not, it's not worth the fight. <laughs> well, you have kids to wash the dishes, it sounds like. so. Yeah, they do a good <laughs> they job. They do a good job of that. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and that's the same thing you see as um, our teenage son, Ethan, who's 15. I mean, he's learning to adapt to those things. He knows now a little bit more what needs to be done and seeing him do those things. It's still a learning curve. But if I can make him into a fantastic husband, then awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Now, um, you know, 23 years is, is a long time. Um, I marvel at uh, you and I work in healthcare. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. But um, I marvel at like patients that come in that are holding hands and they've been together for 40 years or, you know, 50 years sometimes and even longer. And um, I always ask them what the secret is. And usually uh, they both have usually different answers. But at the end of the day, they say it's it's difficult. It's a challenge. And you just kind of have to stay in the game kind of thing. Um, now, at 23 years in, you said you've had your challenges and Nate uh, kind of articulated that as you so did you, as you get to know each other, things become a little bit easier. But how do you handle, you know, for people out there listening that are going through something, whether it's five, 10 years in, um, that love each other, that have like really big challenges, how do you guys handle it? Communication. It's so cliche, but it's sitting down, talking about it, working through it, um, sacrificing, you know, there's there's got to be give and take. There's compromise, but I think the communication key, you can't stress that enough. It sounds, you know, everything is cliche about that, Yeah, <laughs> but that's where it, where it is. And saying you're sorry, accepting fault and. Yeah, I would certainly add, you know, communication is, is the, it's an action verb. You can use it as an action verb because it's, you need to listen mm-hmm. as well as talk. And the listening part is one of the most important components of it. Because if somebody's having an issue and those challenges are facing you as a group or you as an individual, you need somebody who's going to listen and acknowledge you and acknowledge the issue. And listening is the one thing I hear most from from wives. I mean, that's the old cliche that the husbands never listen. Mm -hmm. I still get accused of that, and that's fair. Uh, I think there's it goes both ways, though. I mean, it's not it's not just one side of that. So, but yeah, so communication would be the the number one. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you can think of? I recently kind of summed up good relationships in showing respect. I think everything can go around respect as if you you can do that through communication, showing the respect by doing a chore is showing respect. Um, no adultery is showing respect. Mm-hmm. Um, going to work and providing for your family is showing respect. And so... It, respect is the umbrella and everything underneath that is going to to fall under that. And I think that's the part, and I definitely have heard that from him on, <clears throat> on, a, men's pers- on a man's perspective is how much respect is needed 
um, from a man. And, and it goes both ways, but I think that just as the big umbrella encompasses all the things, whether there's trust or uh, communication or faithfulness, whatever, it's because I respect you that I'm going to do all those things or not do those things because I respect you as a husband, as a father, as a man. I think just think that summarizes That's big it. for men is respect. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, Nate. I think you could, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really big on that. And once that's breached, it's not the end of the world, but it's like, it's a big one. It's like, wow, you know, I think we need to have like respect and it's, I don't know. I hear from a lot of men that respect is big and I know it is for me too. Yeah. I think it's in in any relationship and friendship or marriage or whatever the case may be. It's, I think it's a fundamental part of it. Um, Mm. certainly even in your workplace, you know, whether it's with your coworkers or with your boss or you are the boss you got to develop a, a culture of respect because everything else derives from that. It's a good point. And it's a, it definitely, if there's times of disrespect, man, it does, it takes a, it, it's a, it hits hard, especially if you feel like, man, I really go above and beyond to try and be respectful. And now I'm feeling like I'm hurt mm-hmm. and it, it takes time to get over those moments. We've certainly had those moments. Um, and it just, it takes time and it takes communication and allowing that person to have room if you know to in time to try and deal with whatever it is they're dealing with in their head um giving them that chance and mm-hmm. not pushing it because mm-hmm. there's some of those times as well but that again that falls back on the respect for the the other person i truly and i think that goes to love i mean love is representative of that if you love somebody then you're going to respect them and you're going to give them the opportunity and and give them what they need because you love them yeah uh love is a verb yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an action word. For uh, sure. A good friend of mine, we, we were talking about that, that love is a, love is a verb. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, you show love by doing things um, and, and in action and respect. Um, how do you think, or why do you think that uh, the divorce rate is so high? And why do you think that marriage don't, marriages don't last as long as they used to? People want things easy. Marriage isn't easy. You have to work. And if you're expecting something to be handed to you and that this is going to be like some kind of Hallmark movie or some thing, it takes effort. Mm-hmm. And it's from both people. It's not a one-way thing. I, again, saw something that a marriage isn't 50-50. It's 100-100. Mm-hmm. Like you both have to give 100%. This is not, you don't get to show up halfway. I think the other thing is a lack of shared values and, a sh- and shared faith. I think um, I've encountered some people who have a different faith um, or just different values. And sometimes I, it doesn't necessarily mean how you grew up, but also the goals that you have. We had very similar backgrounds, um, similar parents, similar lifestyles, class of living, all those kind of things. And so we came into having those similarities and that going back to that conversation, the two hour conversation, the night he says, let's get married. That was one of them. I said, and I will remember this forever. Is I said, in my household growing up, my parents, both the whole family worked on the home in the yard. We worked together and we played together. And so it wasn't that mom was left doing this or dad was left doing this. Everybody was involved on Saturday. Everybody cleaned the house or helped with the yard work. And then we went and played. 
whether it was snowmobiling or skiing or out on the lake, then we all went and did it together, mm. you know? And so that was one of the conversations. I said, I, I want that team effort from you. That's what I want in my husband. I'm willing to give that. And so those were some of the shared values. He came back like a hundred percent. That's kind of how I knew things. And, um, again, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to grow up exactly the same, but you've got to want where you're going to be the same. Mm, yeah. That's, that's very important. Um, anything on that one? No, I think she said it, you know, very well. I mean, that's uh, how that impacts the, the divorce rate and what's really impacting it right now. Um, it, to the, to the point where she said, people want things easy and people are always looking for what's better. And, and that and there's a lot of distractions out there now that to try and show you that this is how it's this is how it could be for you and um, it's not realistic in many in many senses. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't have that defined foundation when you go into a marriage that lays out what that vision is for our future, how do we plan on achieving it? What does it look like with kids? Do we want to have? I mean, all these variables have to be worked out. Um, I think a lot of times people just they follow their emotions and they're, they're lustful as opposed to love. It's lustfulness. And then they get into a situation where they're like, man, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've known Barbie since she was 15 years old. So when I'm laying there, you know, on the floor of my one bedroom apartment in college and I'm asking, Hey, let's tell her, let's get married. I knew all about her. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no, you know, I, I knew who she was. I knew who her family was. Um, and I knew that we had a, a shared sense of values. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned like distractions. Do you feel like, uh, like social media is a big part of that? A reason why people are, um, maybe quick to, to, to jump ship. Well, they all want to be like the other person. And now that we, it's not just keeping up with the Joneses that's in your neighborhood and seeing those families and friends. It's now you see everybody in America and across the world. And so then you're wanting those things and, that's not attainable. It's not realistic. And again, like the lustful factor, you know, whether it's all these expectations with makeup and bodies and, and things like that, those things aren't realistic either. Um, you know, shapes and sizes change a little bit over the 23 years and having babies changes your body and graying hair changes your body. And you've got to love this person through all those things, the physical, the mental, all that. And I just think there's just so much exposure to everyone and not keeping a realistic expectation of, of, of one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the component that men unfortunately deal with a lot is, is pornography. Yeah. And which a big is, one. sets a real un, unrealistic expectation for how a woman, you know, what they, their vision of what a woman is. And, can change the way that what they feel about their, their wife, mm. you know, and, and certainly you know, I've, I've sat here with Justin Hunt, who's a local director and he did a whole, um, whole movie on that and talk about the impacts of pornography and on marriage and the way that it desensitizes the man to his own wife and even gave examples and had a lady actually came to the viewing of that. She was in the show or in his movie and talked about how her husband wouldn't have relations with her anymore hmm. and destroyed their marriage. Wow. So I think there's a lot of things out there that are leading to you know, higher divorce rates. You certainly talked to Barbie as a labor delivery nurse about, you know, single moms having, having babies. Well, people aren't Lots even getting married. Moms. I mean, the, mm. and so marriage to me is a, about a commitment. Um, and biblically as well is important to me is, 
but they're not even committing to one another. It's, it's, this is temporary, mm-hmm. you know? And I actually overheard um, a father of the baby say, he's like, it's just a piece of paper when mm-hmm. I asked if they were married. Mm-hmm. And um, I've heard that too. Yeah. And so I think that that marriage component, that commitment component is pretty huge too. Well, I think if we, if we go back 50 years, a hundred years, and we look at you know, the kind of the common values that we shared as a society, those things have changed dramatically, um, which impacts again, that foundation that you're trying to grow from and, and that commitment that you're, that you need to be making when you say, I do. Yeah. Where are we headed in that? Where do you think? I mean, with social media and, um, you know, pornography, everything is in, as far as just media in general, everything's just getting easier to see. You can see a, a Netflix movie on that phone now. You can see, you can pull up anything. I can pull up uh, a, a girl in Finland and talk to her right this second, you know, and see what she looks like or FaceTime her. You know, where do you think we're headed? And and if it's, if it's in the wrong direction, um, what do we do? Because it's, we can't change that. We can't change the fact that, you know, a lot of things are changing as far as technology and it's getting easier and easier to do bad things, you know, as well as good things. Sure. But I mean, when you think back to the 50 years and you think back to the no sex before marriage and that was, you know, I want to say that, you know, at some point, maybe that was commonplace. I I hope it was. And then um, you compare that to today where a lot of people, a lot of young people are, are having, you know, sex before marriage, young people. Uh, and like, as Nate stated, I'm sure you see a lot of that in labor and delivery, Barbie. So where do you think we're headed? And, and if, if it's in the wrong direction, what do you think the solution is? I mean, I think every generation looks back and says, geez, things are never going to be the same as, you know, things are always changing. Why can't it be like it was when I was whatever age, right? Or where are we going to go with AI? I think AI is going to be a game changer. That's another big one. That's, a, that's going to be the biggest issue. That's the biggest thing in the room, in my opinion, of what's coming down the pipeline. Um, how, how do we adapt as a human species um, to those things? And I think we've adapted to a number of those new technological advances over the years, and we'll do the same thing now. I, I don't want to ever say that we're going down the wrong road. There's, I certainly, from a... Um, kind of spiritual standpoint, feel like we've gone off track in mm-hmm. many ways. And it's because we become so self-obsessed with our with with who we are. I mean, we're just we're all narcissists. Everybody, I mean, it's all this social media and and now the way that people are monetizing social social media by getting clicks. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to make money on ourselves and our voice and our image. And um you can see what happens in college football with the NIL. Uh, and how that's what that's doing to college football now. Yeah, um, it's changed. It's going to change the entire landscape of what college football has been. And I, those are the kind of things I can look at that and go, "That's going in the wrong direction." That's because you've, you're destroying one of the things that why people love college football was because it they weren't paid, mm-hmm. and they knew that player who was a freshman was going to be there when he was a senior or or junior. You know, you knew that you could learn who these players were. That's kind of off track on what we're talking about, but. I just hate to frame something like it's, you know, there's no turning back. I think humans are going to have to have some sort of revival of some kind, a spiritual revival that recognizes what our role is here in connection to one another and the planet and not these digital lives that we're living right now. I, I think self-discipline is a major issue 
and we've lost the capability and it concerns me from a parenting standpoint. You know, we talk about our teenagers can't put their phones down. Parents can't put their phones down. Mm-hmm. And if a parent doesn't put their phone down, that means that they can't parent their kids and teach them the things that they need to know in order to be successful and, and you know, successful adults. Mm-hmm. That concerns me. And I think that's the biggest detriment to social media is, is parenting is going the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. we got to put the phones down. Yeah, we can't put the phones down. There's, But there's rooms filled with people getting paid a lot of money to uh, make sure that we can't put our phones down. No doubt. Right? And, that, and AI money. plays a big part of that too. Yeah, AI is a big, uh, I'm going to say a big problem, but it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> AI could be a big problem. Yeah, are are we going down the wrong road as far as AI in your in your opinion? Absolutely. <laughs> do you think we should? Do you, no, I mean, get it out there. Do you, well, there was a show years ago. I mean, it's probably been about ten years ago that we saw. It was very short lived. Maybe I mean, maybe like eight up eight ten episodes where there was like an AI robot that was in the home, and it kind of oh, yeah. it kind of evolved. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody's worried about that, but what was that show? I can't remember, but it, it was, was on re- HBO, I think, wasn't it? I don't know, but it was like one season. It was like eight or 10 shows. It was really cool, but it never came back. I can't remember what it was. But even then it was frightening. And now what things are happening is outrageous. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think going back and, and looking at generations before, we don't know some things until we try it, right? We we don't don't know how great something can be, the benefits of things, and we, but we don't know the detriments either. And so there's a lot of testing to that. But I think what's happening is we wander way off on the bad side and way before we start pulling back. Mm-hmm. And it's just going a little rogue on some of these things. But I, I don't love AI at all. Yeah, it's actually a little scary <clears throat> uh, to me um, where we're headed with that. Um, and what scares me the most is that you have people that are are being paid to push that as just like with social media, getting paid to push that as far and as intensely as possible. Big big dollars are into that now, um, and uh, like Joe Rogan would say, it's like we're, he he thinks that we're creating like this this digital cocoon, or we are this digital cocoon. Be, you know, going to give birth to this this god this like AI God that's going to basically either, you know, control us or destroy us. I know it sounds deep. No, but it's, well, I mean, it's a, they've, they've made a lot of science fiction movies about this. Subject, yeah. You know, yeah. and you, and you look at where we're at now and, and you think how many of these science fiction movies have come true and quite a bit, it, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, warning, it's pretty warning, amazing. Like, yeah, pay yeah. attention. Well, yeah. These are the reasons why sometimes I'm like, you know what? We do live in the matrix because there's so many things that are, how can that be a coincidence? Um, how can the Simpsons say that Trump is going to be president? <laughs> yeah, just, I would just say like there's these That's weird, weird things. Right? Well, yeah. and we were just watching a '90s documentary thing last night, and Jay Leno back in the '90s mentioned something about Trump running for president, and I was like, "Oh, you know, really? it was weird." Yeah, but I, I don't, man. I want to. It'd be cool to sit down sometime and just kind of make a pros and cons of what what's the best case scenario for AI for humankind, what's the worst case scenario, mm-hmm. you know? And I think giving birth to that giant AI God, maybe that's the worst case scenario. But maybe the best case scenario is, is that it really does free us up from doing a lot of, of things that we don't need to do anymore. And we do have a revival of some kind where we we really recommit ourselves to our natural, you know, physical forms and our spiritual relationship to one another and, and the worlds we live in. Maybe that opens 
that door for us? I don't, I don't know. Because I get this general sense that people are tired of working. And you can certainly look at the job market and go, geez, all these service sector jobs, nobody wants to do them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that goes from here. I don't know how we encourage young people to get into the workforce and and to understand that you've got to start at the bottom and work your way up in order you know, to have long-lasting success instead of just thinking that you're going to end up at the top and that's where you're going to be. Like I, I don't know. Well, I just want to add when you were asking about where are we going in the world and stuff, it's we've really become selfish instead of selfless. And we're not serving anyone. We're not taking care of our family, ourselves, um, you know, our community. And so being a nurse, like that's where I get my value is taking care of other people. And mm-hmm. and when you're talking about service jobs, you know, if they just provided some care and got some thank yous and gratitude in return, I mean, there's a cycle that goes there. And we've had this conversation a lot about people who retire. And once they lose that value in um, whatever profession it is, if they don't have a purpose, Mm -hmm. oftentimes health-wise or mental health, physical health spiral down after that. And so we just need to be a little bit more selfless, serve a little bit more, take care of each other a little bit more and not be this whole narcissistic focus that we've started to be. I, I'm really interested though, to what, again, if we were to sit down and really bang our heads together and say, how, what is AI going to do for, for your, your particular industry, Barbie and, and yours, both. I mean, both, mm-hmm. what is, how AI is going to improve that? I would think. Yeah. I mean, we're, ultimately we're seeing it. We're, we're definitely seeing it as far as, radiology is concerned um where ai is catching things that radiologists are missing um i've seen some programs in that way like look at you know slice 53 again looks like you know 53 through you know 68 it looks like this possibly could be appendicitis or you know um and so yeah that i I would agree with you there's a lot of positive in in the medical field for sure and a lot of other fields too it's just that I just feel like, uh, you know, we, 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 I wanted to talk more about family. Sure. And when you compare family to where we're going as far as social media and AI, I'm just trying to figure out like, you know, and then you, you, you talked about faith. Um, I feel like we've lost a lot, but you're, you have a really positive vision, Nate. I'll give you that. You know, you're thinking, I just, I got, I believe we need to be optimistic. Yeah. I mean, we need to be feeding that. That animal is, as opposed to the the negative side of it. Yeah, um, but it, I'm definitely concerned. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm very concerned, and I rightfully so. No, and, I love that you're positive about it. I'm I'm more of like on the darker side of I like. Just think about where, Star Trek, and I'm like, we're just going to be able to scan people, and it's going to tell us what's wrong with you, and we'll be able to fix you and put you in a pod, and AI will, you know, will heal you of all your sickness. You know, I mean, that's how I I picture that component of it. Yeah, and uh, me on the other hand is like we can scan you and see where you were at. You know, <laughs> like, that's you know. <laughs> well, they already do know. Yeah, that's what we carry. That's why we have these exactly. things. Exactly. Yeah, we're cyborgs. Yeah, you know? and they got our face ID off every one of those things. They do. They know exactly where we're at all the time already. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, I, I mean, uh, I don't want to say uh, my glass is half empty, but I do think about like you know how I can, st- in, especially in my life, how I can stop. You know, you know, uh, my, you know, I just got back on social media for the first time in, I don't, I don't know, it was like five years. 
Yeah. Good for you. And I just, really? Yeah. yeah. I, I only got on Instagram for some entertainment. Um, I got about, her on Instagram because I wanted year. to share reels. I was like, I need to share. So it's, it's humor. That's about all I use yeah. at first, humor. Right. I'm not into anything else on that. But I that's the only social media I, I have been on. And that's been maybe a year. You're like me. Ever, yeah. We just ever. got back. I've oh, never really? been on Facebook. I've never been on Twitter. She was on Pinterest. Oh, Pinterest the, is kind of cool. And I mean, I don't know what it is it's now. A, it's a kind of social I mean, media sharing. It. But I, it, I, I get mean, it. But yeah. it wasn't like communication. You couldn't no. communicate. You could look at ideas and stuff. But no, I feel like I have benefited from that. Really? I, oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. And In what way? Most people would say they haven't, like, by from social media. So I have been benefited from not being. Oh, not being. Okay, not got it, got being it. on social media. Um, I'm not a very dramatic person, so some of that, you know, dramatic dialogue where you're kind of um, stoking the fire of some kind of debate going on. I'd rather sit here and have the conversation and respect somebody's opinion and and actually maybe kind of influence mine and think a little bit about what they're doing instead of just blasting negative comments and ideals and things and just being ugly. It, sure. We don't have to be ugly. Let's let's talk about things. So I don't I don't love that aspect of how we can we bait people into to drama. Yeah, type of thing. We just notice that that's what gets the clicks and that's what gets the views. Is you know when people are are dramatic, and you know. But um, I agree with you. I mean, this is how we we should be communicating. I mean, I like this. I like talking it out. I love to talk to people I don't agree with. Believe it or not, I do too. I you like know? to learn things. Yeah. I, I want to know if I'm wrong. You know, I want to be better. And so if somebody's like, Hey, you're, you know, you're way off on this. Well, tell me how, you know? And, uh, that's why I think podcasts are cool. You know, there's the long form you get to like, really, you know, I, I, when somebody says like a, you know, a 10 second clip and you know, that's all you hear. And then another five second, you're like, I, I don't, I don't know if that's taken out of context or what, mm-hmm. but when you hear somebody sit down for quite a while and like you, Oh, I know what that person's about. You know, I know like with Nate, when we sat down, I was like, okay, I got a lot of fam- family out of Nate. Like, I feel like Nate's grounded in that, you know, and one of the reasons why we're doing this. So yeah, I love that long form. I, I think that to your point, you know, being a little bit more positive about things, I think that podcasts are coming up and we're able to see that a little bit more and people are starting to appreciate that a little bit more and less. I really feel like when I, when I sit down and actually talk to somebody, I don't see that that same like weird political charge that I see on social media or on Fox or on CNN or anything. I see like my fellow human being that really likes Biden. I was like, really? Do you really? Yeah. I mean, okay, so tell me why. And it's we can actually have a conversation. But when you look on TV or you see it on social media, you're like, I this person wants to kill that person, you know? Right. And so um, I, I think it's I think a lot of that is taken out of context and, and social media and, uh, you know, those legacy media people are doing a lot to divide us, in my opinion. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. And it plays itself out in arenas like Facebook, which I, I, I can't be on Facebook. I mean, the thought of even logging into Facebook makes my stomach upset. Really? And this is, this is after years of being an elected official because the keyboard warriors... They're ruthless, and you mm. really got to have thick skin to deal with the comments that people put out there. And I just I found there's such an unreasonableness in so many individuals and a, and a willingness to use those formats to tell you exactly how unreasonable they are. 
Mm. You mean as mayor, more more Cor- as correct. mayor. I yeah. see. Like politically, yeah, yeah. Not okay. even politically, just basic stuff. Just basic it stuff. snowed today. And because at five o'clock in the morning there was snow on the street, that was a huge issue for uh-huh. some people. I see. Who have unreasonable expectations for how 10 snow plows can clear all the city streets at 5 a.m. Oh, I see. When it's still snowing. <laughs> and instead of being instead of being polite and respectful, they're loud and obnoxious. And that, yeah. Because they're not sitting at this table looking at you. Right. If, if yeah. you sat down with me and said, hey, can you tell me how the city deals with snow? You know, tell me how we roll out our trucks. Why, why aren't they out at 3 o'clock in the morning when it's snowing heavily as opposed to waiting until the snow kind of slows down? Well, and then we can have this conversation about it. Right, right. Understood. But that's the, that's the difference. You don't have to have that conversation if you can just spit, you know, in, in Facebook and you don't have to, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Here it matters because I have to look at you and I have to talk to you. Absolutely. Yeah. This is the way it should be. But um, that's crazy. I haven't been on Facebook in I don't know how many years. I could don't. even tell you that. Just stay away. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> there's no draw there. Believe me. I'm just, I mean, just like we're all visual creatures. I, you know, I got back on Instagram because I was like, oh, you know. Let me let me see what it's like now, you know. And there's all these reels and all this other stuff, and I that's new to me, you know. Well, and that's I just think about like if you took 2023 and you looked back on it, you could put your entire year into into what reels were you watching at any given time, and how interesting would that be to watch that kind of movie? Oh, that's cool. You know, from January to December, I think it'd be I think it'd be interesting. A year in reels there would definitely be a trend. A year in reels. <laughs> Well, I had a buddy send me one today that said, um, he, he said, what would happen if the government got a hold of our thread? <laughs> and it's a guy saying, jail, directly to jail. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, it's a new year, um, uh, 2023. Congratulations, you were reelected. Thank you. Um, it didn't seem like it was that difficult. I mean, that's from an onlooker seeing that you got, what, 99% of the vote or something? Well, there was nobody else who ran. Oh, okay, got it. There yeah. it is. All right. Yeah, the, dis- the guy was disqualified, so. Oh, I see. Got it, got it. Okay. Um, and so how does it feel? And, like, I, I don't know. I'm sorry, just, just being a neophyte about politics, you have another two years, four years? It's a four-year term. Okay. Yeah, so it'll be until November of, well, I guess, January of... 28. Wow. Okay. So goals for the next, you know, like short-term versus long-term goals for the city for the city. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, you know, we've started so many great initiatives and projects that are going to be breaking ground this year. So I'm really excited to see those things come to life. Uh, Pinion Hills Boulevard extension and bridge is going to be a huge, I think a huge win for our community. Uh, the development of Gateway Park at the museum, uh, continued expansion of our river trails, the uh, Boundless Journey, All Adventures, All Abilities Park that we're we're going to be kicking off as well. So there's a lot of really, really fun components that are that are going to be occurring over this next term, and that that's where my focus is to see those things get completed. Mm-hmm. Um, and in long term, just considering the just general impacts to to the community and, and importance of utilities and how we plan for the future when it comes to water, when it comes to electricity, uh, because we, we know how valuable those things are mm-hmm. to us. Your biggest challenge right now? Biggest challenge right now. That's a good question. 
I'll let you marinate on that. Yeah. How about we go to you, Barbie, and talk about your job a little bit? So I'm a labor and delivery nurse at San Juan Regional. I've been there for 18 years, been doing it for a total of 23. Um, I absolutely love it. It's what I was called to do. I haven't, you know, there's been a few times where I go, I wonder what else I can do in my life. And I just shake my head and go, nope. This is it. <laughs> when you became a nurse, did you automatically know I want to do L and D? Absolutely. Really? I learned that somewhere. I can't tell you when the epiphany was. I don't know when the moment um, that particular area came to focus, but it was in nursing school, and um, I just fell in love with it. I can remember my first delivery that I ever saw, and the patient that I had, and the feeling that I had. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, she was Spanish speaking only. She was alone. She was in a lot of pain. And I remember um, kind of being by her side and she tipped her head into my shoulder and we couldn't converse, but she just, that oh. was it. That was like, hey, you're here, you're with me. Wow. And um, I'll never forget that moment. And That's I just, it. I love it. I love going back to the families. I love watching a family evolve. I love families. Family is so important to me. And I know people say that, but it is just, it just warms my heart to see a family come to life, to see that baby born. Nothing gets me balling more than to look over and the dad's crying. I'm done, you know, because <laughs> having a good husband and fantastic father in my partner is amazing. And so when I see that and I see a dad just fall in love, I'm I'm done. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, that's, no, I thought you would have said, oh, I've tried this and I tried, you know, maybe ER or something else. Nothing. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Um, how do you, I mean, this, yeah, I'm just throw you out there on sure. front street, but how do you like San Juan? How do you like working? I've loved San Juan. I've, um, I came here as a, what was called a clinical supervisor at the time in that role was kind of a combination of an educator, assistant manager. I was in that role for about three years, and then I became the manager of the unit. And so, and then now I've um, stepped to bedside nursing again for, that's almost nine years ago. So in that time, I've um, just seen the ups and downs, and just like a marriage or in a family, you know, there's been some challenges. There's been times when there's big, big wins, and there's been challenges we face, and some of those we can control, and some of them we can't control. Yeah. But I've always felt like it's, you know, it's a family, and you know, it's dysfunctional at times, just like we are. Um, but that's honest. Yeah. But, but, and so, but we battle through it and you overcome those things, but I love the people. I love this community. I've, I, I just have faith in, in the people that are going to continue to, to do the right thing. And we're going to work through some kinks, you know, and challenges that we've had and, and just keep going. But I have faith in them and I, I love working for them. Yeah. And I work for them too, um, as well. And I'm a lot newer than you. You're how many years in? 18 there. 18. I'm probably 18, maybe. M months. <laughs> no, I was about to say 18 weeks, but, but I might be less than that. <laughs> but, uh, but I work as, uh, as a paramedic and, and this is to your point earlier, you were talking about, um, uh, you know, doing things that really matter and that mean something. I, as a PA, you know, I get paid like, I'd say almost two thirds less as a paramedic. And I love it so much more. You have no idea mm -hmm. because you're doing things like in real time, mm -hmm. seeing what you're doing and like really 
fixing things right. right there in front of you in seconds, in minutes. And not that, you know, the PA world is bad. It's it, it, it's different. It's just different. It's just different. And I just wish that I could got paid the same doing that. But it, I mean, I'm so much more fulfilled doing what I do now um, than, than the PA part um, that I still do love, but I just didn't realize that I missed being a paramedic so much. And, uh, and I'm with you on that. It's like, I'm sure like when you did the, the management and you were like charged and that kind of stuff, and now you're, you're doing bedside as well. Mm-hmm. You feel it more when you're at bedside and you're actually doing something and, uh, um, uh, as opposed to managing, uh, your employees, I would think. Correct. Well, you definitely see the impact directly on the patients, but, um, I have a lot of fond memories of doing management. Um, A lot of things that I learned. I can say one of the things that I took away from that and also from Nate's experiences in leadership as well is that there is a lot of moving parts and a lot of different people, um, a lot of cogs go, you know, moving. And so there's a lot of pieces that have to be considered in in having that gratitude to all the players in that, um, not pointing fingers you know, um, not saying upper management this or, you know, lab is doing that. It's it's not pointing fingers. We're all, you know, playing a role. We're all trying to do our best. Um, so I've had a lot more patience and understanding, um, you know, when things are operating. And just like, you know, when Nate's talking about clearing roads, like, I'm just so grateful they're out there. I've seen them seen, you know, I don't know if these are private or city, but cleaning, clearing parking lots today and just being grateful for every role that, you know, is being played. I think mm-hmm. that's the big thing I learned from management is just realizing um, because I touch so many areas, learning all those people and roles and what they did and how big of a part they are. So mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of gratitude from that. Not appreciation. Mm-hmm. You're both leaders in the community here. What makes a good leader? Service. You have to serve. I mean, one of the, again, one of the, um, proud moments I had while doing management is I kept up all my nursing skills. So there was times when I was needed on the floor and I could still perform those things. And so what was important to me is whatever I'm asking of the staff, could I also do that? So whether it was documenting this or, you know, taking care of that is that if I'm asking you to do it, it's because I can do it myself. Mm-hmm. And also it kept me a attuned to what was challenging and what we were asking them to do and going, oh, this is kind of ridiculous. This doesn't make sense. Somebody in an office made this decision because it doesn't make sense, right. you know, out there. And so um, I think having that service and and continuing to serve people and the staff and the patients makes a big difference. You, you just stay more well-rounded. Yeah, I feel that too. No, I think service is the, is the primary component. Um, you know, we're going through a process right now. We've had a city councilor resign. So we're going through an application process, and I'll just tell you, the people that, that I would consider for that role, we get to appoint them for two years until the next election for that district, you got to be here for the right reasons. Mm. And if you're in any position of leadership in my mind, it's because you're willing to, to do what everybody else is, you're asking everybody else to do. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of servant leadership and that mentality. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life or where you're at in your organization or within your community, you have an opportunity to, to make a positive difference and, and lead from that position. Mm. So I, I do I believe wholeheartedly in that. Service. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if I told you this, but your two of your nurses came down for uh, a, a high-risk OB class. And uh, man, it was they made it so much fun. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty great. They're... Um, 
our educators and they're both great nurses, really fun people. So yeah. I'm sure you had a good time oh, and, I, and I'm sure you learned something, but they're, they definitely keep things fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was neat. And it, it spoke volumes for your department too. They're good, uh, represent or uh, reps for your department. Awesome. Yeah. And it just made me like, Oh, it must be fun to be up there. You know? <laughs> well, I've always, always said we're kind of an Island, you know, we're just very unique. We're, we don't work with a lot of the other areas. And so we're definitely an, um, an Island, but, um, having that appreciation for OB and, and what they do is great because the paramedics, whenever they come up and train in our unit, which they do, I, I just, and I introduced them to the patients. I said, this person's here learning because they may deliver your next baby at home. So, yeah. you know, um, appreciating, you know, that, um, that collaboration together. Yeah. And what I really appreciate about them too, is that they, they really dumbed it down for us too. They were like, they're, you know, there were things that we knew and then there were things that we didn't know. And you know how it is in class when you get called on and stuff like that. They didn't do any of that. And they were just all about the education all about making it fun. It was, yeah. it was really cool. So it was a, yeah, it, it spoke volumes for, for what you guys do up there. Awesome. Yeah, so that's awesome. All right, Nate, back to you. Challenges. Yeah, I think you know, there's a number of challenges that every city faces. There's the long-term view of how do we remain a sustainable community. Um, and so then you get, you get talking about the industries that are creating jobs and giving people purpose to be here. And how, how do you continue to attract those industries and the high-paying jobs that you need to have in order to have a strong economy? And then... The challenges of of managing people's expectations. Um, that's another challenge mm. because government has become, and in my opinion, local government specifically, plays more into our everyday lives than any other form of government. If you're on a public street, government's responsible for that street. If you're drinking water out of your tap, government's responsible for that clean water. Um, but having managing reasonable expectations for folks that not everything can be perfect 100% of the time, even though that's how we want it. Mm -hmm. um, for, for me personally, it's it's looking at this next four years and saying, how can I be most impactful? And and addressing, you know, the concerns of the community, one, the long-term, you know, and the, the, really the big investments that we're making into economic diversification. That's maybe my biggest worry is that we've, we've, really, we've invested heavily um, in economic diversification, and, and we want to see the results of that. And I know that those results are going to look like people moving to Farmington. And the people in Farmington uh, believing that Farmington is the great place that it is to live and being good ambassadors for this community and changing, you know, negative mindsets into positive mindsets. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously it's not 100 percent that that's ever going to be accomplished. But, you know, my goodness, if we can if we can get the majority of the population to give a positive review of the city that they live in for the number of reasons that I find it to be a great place to live, then that's that's a big win. Yeah. What do you, um, what do, what do we need in Farmington? Like what kind of, you know, people, what kind of careers, what kind of, what are we in need of here? Well, I think historically you've, you've got a, a large blue collar workforce. I mean, that this town has been very much embedded in the energy industries for, you know, for a hundred years. And so you've got a group of people and families and a history here of folks who, who understand what hard work is. And so, you know, we, we focus broadly as a region on utilizing our natural assets, those energy assets. How can we, and I think natural gas is going to be the, the big thing for a long time because the world will need clean energy and natural gas is the cleanest version of fossil fuels that we have. 
And when it comes to renewables, you can't have a renewable without backup power. Mm -hmm. And that's where natural gas is. So continue to attract those high paying jobs within the natural gas industry is going to be key. We, we need some fundamental components built in here, uh, namely in transportation, that would help kick off a whole other group of industries that could operate. We have no railroad that comes uh, through the four corners. It's a, it's a desert um, when it comes to that. And there's a lot of companies out there who utilize natural gas as a component of what they create um, that won't operate here without that affordable transportation, which is provided by rail. Mm -hmm. So we've been working with the county, or really the county and the Navajo Nation have been working on this railroad plan uh, that will then open up additional manufacturing opportunities, agricultural opportunities that I think would, would play off for a long time. Mm. Wow. So it, do you foresee um, rail soon at, at any point? If it's a decade from now, I mean, that, that might be the closest I could see that. I see. Um, it's a very complicated process of getting getting that type of project funded, permitted, you know, approved. You're dealing with um, tribal lands, which, you know, are, are challenging um, mm. for their own various reasons. So it's it would take a lot of pieces falling together. And this dream of having rail here has been a dream for a very, very long time. Mm. Um, I've gone back and looked at newspaper articles. It was strange. It was, I think it was in August. I just went back 30 years. And on that, that front page of that paper was a, a whole article about bringing rail to Farmington. And at that time, California was looking for places that they could dump their trash. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> and, they, and they were talking about the, the economy of bringing California trash to New Mexico. It was a really interesting article, but so it's, it's been out there for a long period of time, and um, I, I think it would be a, a huge boom and for the Navajo Nation as well as you know as well as our communities here. Must be difficult, um, or you you say um, dealing with the the reservations must be challenging to deal with all of them and having everybody on the same page with the city and that is that is is it? Well, I would just say it's it's a unique experience to be where we're at as yeah. a board, as a border community as they call us. Um, I'll give you an example, right? So the majority of the land that sits here in San Juan County is federal or tribal land. Only like 9% of all the land in San Juan County is privately owned. Hmm. Maybe even smaller than that. Um, so if you and I wanted to go put a bike trail, for example, out on BLM land, public land, we would have to go through all these different processes in order to get it permitted um, to build a bike track, right? Hmm. We're talking a, a six-inch... <laughs> trail mm -hmm. because of your bike tread and then you've got to go 10 feet on each side of that and you've got i want to say it's like 31 tribes and pueblos that can comment on that project hmm. so 31 different individuals who are looking at your bike trail who may who may go no sorry we don't like that there because of this reason or that reason so that that's that's a challenge yeah um but generally speaking, we are very blessed also as a community to be where we're located at and to be able to offer the services and, and offer the business opportunities that we offer for our friends you know, across the tribal nations. And I can't extend my, my thanks enough that they have found value in Farmington and they continue to travel all the way that they have to travel, some very far distances, just to come here to do grocery shopping, to get clean water, to get mm -hmm. supplies and things that they don't have available to them near where they live out there on the reservation. So we that's another one of those things when you talk about challenges, we we need to foster that 
that just natural human kindness component, whether it's in a business, whether it's meeting people on the streets, how we look at one another and treat one another is so important because the people who actually are here, it's not just the 46,000 people, it's the 311,000 people that here in the four corners that utilize Farmington as a place uh, for shopping and for entertainment. Yeah. And I've seen that on running calls too. some of our, we run calls way out there. Sometimes the response times are dizzying uh, to get way out there for just like a, I don't say something minor, but in some cases, yeah, there's a lot of gas wasted in my opinion. And then turning around and coming back if the patient doesn't come to the hospital and you see a lot of, you know, we're talking about families and community, you see a lot of different ways people live, you know, um, and that's uh, really unique and interesting as well. Yep. And also the fear of how far they are out there when they do have something serious and getting them, them absolutely. To I've seen, the seen that too. Yeah. Seen that too. Yeah, and especially if it's something serious and you're you know that it's a thirty minute uh, response time and you're just kind of like. We're going as, I mean, the governor is at, at, at the end. We're mm-hmm. like, we're going as fast as we can. And we still have, you know, X amount of time for a chest pain or a code or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, that kind of um, makes me think about something just from the exposure that I've had lately as uh, in EMS. And I've seen you, you guys, obviously, in my opinion, from, you know, you know, as, as an outsider looking in on you and your family and your relationship, seem like you have something great. I've been to a lot of homes and it's less than 18 weeks and I've seen a lot of like dysfunction in families, uh, seen a lot of domestic violence, you know, for somebody who's in a situation where, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be domestic violence, but that's one thing we can talk about for a second, but in a situation like that and has been, you know, they came up in that you guys came up in similar, uh, uh, homes or um, uh, kind of communities like you articulated earlier, for people who, who came up a different way and saw violence and, and uh, you know, now are, are adults and like stuff that's imprinted on you, you know, as a child, sometimes you can't help it, you know, in, in a relationship and in a family, you just kind of, you know, you, you act out what you've been taught. For those people that are having challenges in that way, how in your opinion, both very educated, how would you tell somebody or tell a family or talk to a family that is having those kinds of problems like domestic violence or having like really bad family issues? How can someone like that turn it around? We were actually just having this conversation recently about the power of choice. Uh, You can't choose the family you're born into. You can't choose the parents that you have, the living situation, the environment. You can't make those choices. And so, but there is a point in time when you are old enough to make a choice and say, this isn't the type of situation I want to continue in. And there are, um, we are very fortunate just as a country, uh, a state, a community that has resources for people to. Um, get educated, get um, assistance to get out of those situations. Um, I had a patient recently who was in a domestic violence situation and um, fortunately received the assistance from the PATH, from people assisting the homeless, to get her and her children out of that situation. And so, but she made a choice. She mm. made a choice to get out of that situation. And I, I can't imagine, I have not been in that situation. I've had my own challenges in my life. Um, but we all have the, cho- that a choice 
to make and to make that situation um, improve. And I, I just empower people to take an opportunity and, and seek that help and get out of those situations. Choose not to continue that cycle of um, violence for your children, for yourself, um, whether or even living situations. Um, I, I had a conversation with somebody recently about finances who just felt very trapped. I'm never going to be able to make investments. I don't even know what a 401k is. Um, you know, it, it's not easy. These choices aren't always easy, but there are ways to make improvements in, in your finances, your safety, your home, your job. Um, and so just seek those resources, ask questions, ask people, their, your healthcare, any, anyone stop and ask somebody, you know, what resources can help me get out of this situation, whatever it is. Yeah. Choice. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. I, um, it's sad in that just the short amount of time uh, I've already gotten to have. I mean, I'm not used to seeing that. That's not how we grew up. I mean, there was some yelling in our household and some dysfunction like anywhere else. But um, as far as like the domestic violence that I've seen that I'm starting to get, you know, borderline desensitized to a little bit and just seeing it again and again and again in a short time, uh, it bothers me, you know. And, uh, you know, you feel for those people the first few times you see it, but then you're like, okay, we're going on another one, you know, going on another one. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, that's a good one to, to try to, you know, at some point make the choice to get out of that situation. And it won't be easy. These things are not easy. Addicts, um, getting sober is not easy, but all these choices to make your life better and better for your children and your family they're glorious when you get on the other side, but it's going to take some work. But they're, this isn't, um, they don't have to do it alone. They yeah. don't have to do it alone. There's yeah. a lot of people out there to help them. Right. And the, the fact that they've grown up with it makes it even that much harder. You know, if you're, if you're not used to that and you, get, you fall in love with somebody, you get into a relationship like that and it, it turns into that, some people get stuck that way. But when you've been brought up that way and then you start living that way, you know, Man, it's, it just sounds like a like a tough road to hoe, you know. So, I'm gonna pay, do a plug for a book um, that is huge, huge favorite of mine. It's called The Glass Castle, and it's about a woman who grew up in a very dysfunctional, nomadic, um, homeless type of family with no income type of situation, who chose to get out of that, and so did her siblings. And um, it's just in. It just shows about the the situation that you can't choose to be in, the lifestyle you're born into, but how you can choose to get out. And it's it's a great story, hmm. and it's it's a true story. And that's what's even more important is the the glass glass castle. The glass castle. Okay. They made a movie about it, but it's not anything not, close to the book. No, I mean, the that, book. Is I know weird. that's normal, but the book is really good. Yeah. Um, and the movie didn't do it the justice deserved, but. You know, just just going back to the point, I mean, people aren't alone and people need to know that. And that's one of the great things I love about Farmington is we have such a big, strong, caring community and charities whose missions are to help those folks in those situations. Making that choice is very difficult. But the children who are in that situation, the ones that just, it, it crushes my soul. Yeah. And, you know, I had, a, I had a very, I had a great childhood, but I had some pretty tumultuous years uh, of, of seeing some things that most people have never seen and shouldn't see. And, but I, I made a conscientious choice at that time to say, okay, I'm not going to be that. And that's where we need to get to these kids. 
and make sure we explain to them that if you're in that situation, that's not normal. I know it may seem normal to you, but that's not normal. And you have to understand that your destiny is your choice. It's your, you putting your effort, your personal effort in, in where you want to be and who do you want to be and not be those things that you're seeing right now in your life. And that's so difficult, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, but it's so worth it. I mean, do you look at your life now and go, I'm glad I went down this path? Oh, sure. Versus, yeah. you know, and it's worth it on the other side, but it took some work and choices to. And we got to explain to those kids that you can't be a victim, you know, you can't be a victim. And, and you're only a victim by allowing those things to become a part of you permanently and that you carry with you and that you believe are, are okay to do. Then you are the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, but having those tough conversations with them, and it's happening more and more. And it's it's in poverty is the driving force behind that. It is, yeah. Um, in a lot of cases. It'd be interesting to do a study, and I'm sure they're out there, you know, just looking at big industrial communities like Baltimore and Detroit and Chicago and that just over the years have, have kind of ebbed and flow with huge job markets, and then you have all these huge layoffs and what that's done to a lot of those communities, it's destroyed them because you've lost purpose. What do you do every day if you've worked at this job for, for 20 years and all of a sudden it's not there anymore? And that's been one of my concerns here. When you take away 1,600 jobs at a power plant and a coal mine, what does that leave those people doing? Where do, where do they end up? Mm-hmm. Um, most of those folks are hardworking people and they're going to go find jobs somewhere else. The concern here is that we don't have jobs for them to move into that will pay them the same that they are making before. All of these individuals that are coming across the southern border right now, a majority of them are young men. Mm. young men who need purpose, who need work, who need to go out and earn earn a living for themselves and develop those characteristics and skill sets that will help perpetuate them, you know, for a lifetime. Um, what kind of situations are they coming out of and, and bringing with them when they come here? Yeah. Um, you've mentioned faith a few times, and um, I, I feel like people are, in some cases, scared to talk about God. They're scared to talk about faith. Um, or, you know, kind of looking around to see who's watching when they, when they mention God. And it's, that's not how I grew up. I mean, we were, we spoke about it freely and, uh, and I grew up Catholic and then became Christian. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but i I certainly have, you know, when somebody mentions God, there's kind of like this, like, <laughs> but there's other topics now that are just. Right. Free, it's so weird. You yeah, know, that it's it, the it's a complete like it's I yeah mean, it's it's a one eighty and now we're talking about you know X Y and Z freely, but we're shunned if we mention God and our faith and I'm not saying you know, um, and that's not frowning upon the differences amongst the faith. It's just why can't we just talk about it? Sure, that that's part of character. It's part of well, they've uh, made it taboo in schools. <clears throat> yeah, you know, they've that, and that's where I think it's really hurt us as society. So we said, look, you're not even allowed to pray in school. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? I mean, these aren't. This isn't a component of what public education should be pushing or not pushing. I mean, there's that's one of the fundamental components of our American citizenship is the freedom of religion, mm-hmm. and I I think that's that's damaged it in so many different ways because it, you, you did now you are those kids are looking around like I don't know if I should should we talk about this and then when they're adults it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I was raised in a Christian household. The best thing my father ever did was put me in a Christian school, and. We put our kids in Christian school and wanted to make sure that they had built a foundation where they understood who they are on this earth in comparison to everything else that's going on and know that you're not the boss and there's a higher higher power up there that we need to be accountable to. Yeah. You were talking about leadership earlier and servant 
servant leadership is key, but accountability, man, you, you got to build trust with people. And the only way I can build trust with, with somebody like you, I need to be accountable for myself. Um, I need to earn your respect. I think in leadership, that's really important. Well, when it comes to God, we need to recognize his role and we need to give him respect and we should believe his word and we should trust that it's true and we should live our lives accordingly to that. And guess what? That gives us the best purpose of all. And everything else that we do and everything else that we say and no matter where we go, we have that guiding light in our life that's that's helping us make better choices. Yeah, I think the accountability is huge, you know, whether that is to a higher power or to your parents, you know, when talking about children, you know, being held accountable for your actions instead of this free roaming behavior as I can, you know, do and say and come as I please, you know, I think that's... What is the verse outside of Grace Baptist? The first step to knowledge is the fear of God. Is that? Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what verse it is, but I remember my my stepfather, whenever he would come to our kids' um, performances at at school, he he told me, he's like, I don't like that verse. You shouldn't fear God. When I think about parenting, I don't want my kids to fear me, but there needs to be fear that there's consequences if I make bad choices and understand that the role is us as parents is to help guide you so that you learn to make those choices on your own. But you need to fear that there's going to be consequences. And I think we're, we live in a society now where there's not a lot of fear of consequences for stupid, de- for stupid decisions that people make. Mm-hmm. We spend so much money dealing with the fact that people make bad choices and it becomes the responsibility of the rest of us to pay for it. And then think about your liability insurance costs. You know, some, a bad driver makes, does something stupid or a person walks out into the middle road and gets hit by a car. Well... I know a situation right now that happened. The trucking company, the person wanted to kill themselves. They jumped out in front of a car because they wanted to die, and they did. Well, the trucking company's being sued, and it's multi-millions of dollars, which now for everybody else who's in the trucking industry buying insurance, it's going to cause their rates to go up because of these, so the social you know, inflation impacts of these types of decisions. People do dumb things, mm-hmm. and we're all paying for that. <laughs> and I know those are kind of... No, but it's, no, it's, 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 it's really but about it's, it's relevant. I mean, it's it's very relevant. I I agree with you on that. There's there needs to be some kind of um uh it whether it's God or um something good because you know God's been good in my life, right? And um you don't have to believe in you know Jesus Jesus or you, everybody has different religions and the Muslims and, you know, Hindu, and I'm very respectful of anybody's religion, but I believe that there's a foundation there. There's a, there's a, a legitimately good and wholesome foundation in, in religion, in my opinion. And we've, we've gotten away from that, you know, um, we've replaced it. We've, we have, we've like, like Barbie said, like it's, it's commonplace to talk about the other side of the gamut now. And I have respect for whatever that is, whether it's trans or gay or whatever. You know, I have have respect for anyone. But I shouldn't be shunned in talking about my faith in Jesus Christ as much as you want to share your your choices, uh, your sexual choices. And so, again, it goes back to the respect. We've lost respect for one another um, and just being kind and respectful of those choices and, you know... It goes back to what Jason said earlier, just about the, the media and its its ability to divide us, because that's what gets the biggest clicks. That's what gets the most viewership. It's the things that we can spin and turn controversial. And, and we, we have this tendency as society to really pay attention to when somebody's yelling from this side and somebody's yelling from this side, 
about whatever the issue may be, we're, we're pay, why are we paying attention to these crazy people? Yeah, It's those of us here in the middle, which is the majority of us, but we're always paying attention to them because that's what the media is pushing to us. And that, that to me, when I, you know, politically speaking, individuals who have a different political ideology than I, it's interesting to me how they always have to tell me that they're different than me. Mm-hmm. I've never introduced myself and told you my political party, but I get that all the time from individuals on the <laughs> other side. They constantly want to tell me who, okay, but who are you as a person? Mm-hmm. Are you just basically signing yourself over to everything that, that that party believes? I mean, is that what you're trying to tell me right now? Yeah. And maybe that is what you're telling me. I've made a comment to Barbie that maybe we should just all wear you know, NASCAR jackets and have all the patches of all of our beliefs on it so that <laughs> we can just line each other up and be like, all right, you've got the blue and red and yellow patch, so do I, so we can be friends. But this guy's green, orange, and black, and I, psh, sorry, dude. Yeah. When I talk to people uh, like we're talking now, and just coworkers and stuff, I don't see that that real big divide though that you see on in media. I see like people that may ha- think a little bit differently than me, but are reasonable. They're like reasonable. They're I mean, and maybe it's because we're talking and we're looking each other in the eye, and it's not on this. Maybe there's somebody they're different on Facebook. I don't know. Right. But when we're talking, I I'd say ninety five percent of the time. They're everybody, even if they have a different view, they've always been reasonable, you know, and courteous most of the time. And yeah, I think that this, the, the, the social media really, it just throws up this, these, uh, like this, this wall of like, I can say what I want back here because nobody can see me. Right. And you don't see the response from the person's face. You know, when you say those hateful things, you don't see the pain on their face and in their heart, you know. Yeah, in and the so, heart. Exactly. And, and so I can throw that out and it has no impact. But if you have those conversations person to person, you can see how you wound them. You can see yeah. how sad they are, or frustrated or hurt when you're doing it person there's no, to person. There's no fear of consequences when you hide behind that, right? Yeah. There's no consequence to me just blurting out whatever it is I want to blurt out. And so what? You know? What are you going to do to me? I mean, if people said, if this would have been like the 70s or 80s and, and people said some of the things that they, say online now to somebody they would have just gotten beat up yeah exactly you know yeah. i mean it was yeah. just like Fist you're cups, yeah exactly. i mean it would have just been a big old <laughs> and you know, parking lot fight and we're done yeah we're not friends anymore you're not going to come near me anymore you're going to know to stay away because if you're going to be ugly like that this is what's going to happen yeah there's no consequence there's no... to just throwing hateful things out there yeah it's, yeah yeah it's true it's true it used to you just handle it physically at school <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah that's that's interesting um man this has been a really great conversation uh we're at uh, an hour and 15 and i don't want to keep you guys too much longer but um i i really appreciate you talking like you know opening up and talking about your family because you know sometimes it's you know difficult to do but you know, what i wanted to kind of get across to the listeners especially here in farmington uh in this community is you know, how we can be better, how we can like create a, like a, a, a tighter community, like a, you know, longer marriages, you know, better families. I, I think that that's that just the core of our country. Whenever I look at a flag, I swear I think about family. That's what I think about. I think like the thread is is us as a community and our family. And we're, I feel like we're losing that um, a little bit, you know, in some cases a lot. And so I really, you know, I appreciate you both. I, I feel like you guys are, you know, cut from you know, high quality cloth in a way. I had good, good parents. Yeah. I had great parents. Yeah. But it, 
And then, like I said, I made a choice to, in, in where they had flaws, I've worked to make those improvements in my own life and choices and family and, and then choose. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, that's, it's really, to me, it's so many of the social ills that we deal with, deal directly with parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, we throw millions and billions of dollars into education, trying to improve education for our students. But when they go home and the parents don't care about education, that's a huge uphill battle for everybody. And it really is to me, we, we got to get the parents engaged in their kids' lives. We got to get engaged in the community. We, we need them to, to value work and the way that that example impacts that young person's life and where they're going to go in their trajectory. Um, I, mean, I feel like we just, parenting is, needs to be, is a higher calling. Mm-hmm. It really is good parents. We need good parents. And I think a lot of these issues will, would fade away. Is there a is there a locally here in Farmington, or or even if it's like regional or across the country? I, I don't know. Just like almost like a mad mothers against drunk driving. Is that old? That old. Um, I don't know if it's older uh, or if it's still around. But almost like an organization like that that can help people. Do you know of anything like that? Somebody who might like we talked about domestic violence. Is there um, you know is there a place where people can? get marriage counseling or, or get, you know, help if they're, you know, of course you can call the police, you know, but is there a place That's what where, people do. <laughs> yeah. But is there, a, is, is there any, is there an organization that, that people can get help in their family or the marriage? So there's several. Animus Crisis Center helps with domestic violence and situations. Um, PATH is people assisting the homeless um, and helps provide some, you know, housing for them and, and counseling that helps to get them out of situations. For new parent, um, People Becoming New Parents, Grace Place is a great um, organization that provides parental um, coaching and counseling. Wow, Grace Place. Grace Place. Okay. Um, and they advocate advocate for life and help to support the family. And they have classes for dads to get the dads involved. They provide Amazing. some prenatal care. So they're really family-oriented and trying to set them up to, That's to free. succeed. Yes, these are... Um, these are I all, think they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. they fundraise for all those services mm-hmm. that they provide, and okay. So and there's many, many. And Presbyterian Medical Services offers counseling. That's a that's a big one. Uh-huh. Um, but the demand for counselors is very, very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, social workers and the like. I mean, it, it's such a huge demand for them uh, in our community and well, across across the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've got, we've got a cousin who's going right now. She's going to school to get her master's in marriage counseling. But people have to be willing to take that step. Yeah. They have to be able first to acknowledge that I need help mm-hmm. and I can't do this on my own. Um, I would say your local church is a great place to go and Absolutely. Good get point. engaged with people. And really, if you want to fill yourself with love and fill yourself with God's word, go there. That's a good point. Just start with a very basic fundamental thing. Like, that used to be the basic fundamental thing, right? Yeah. In society, right. you took your kids to church every Sunday, you took them there Wednesday nights, and they just, this is who we are. And I think you just have to rewire yourself and stop making stop making those bad choices and start replacing them with with positive choices. Yeah. And know that you're not alone. Like I said, there's yeah. a lot of people to support one another. Um, and people just have to reach out. You know, we're, we don't know. Um, that's another interesting thing I've learned is we don't know what other people are going through right. and their battles and just trying to understand that a little bit more. Um, and but if reach out, tell tell us what's going on, especially healthcare providers. We we have a lot of resources we can share with you to 
to get you set up on the right path and make that choice to make it better. And then just one thing after another, one step in front of the other to making um, better choices, maybe choosing a faith um, that gives you a higher purpose, higher calling, get a job that gives you value and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just fills your cup up each day because you're serving somebody. Um, And then show each other respect. You know, and that's just going to come full circle. Somebody's going to show you the respect, and and then I'll keep going, just one step in front of the other. Yeah, sometimes you just need somebody to, to listen to you. Yeah. But you got to come to that point to say, I need somebody to listen to me, and I need to go seek out somebody to do that with. I, I use this as a funny example, just the need for people to talk to each other. I went and saw my doctor. I have a new doctor now because my doctor retired, and it was just so weird. I sat down with him, and he's like, Nate, how are you doing? And it was a very stressful time in my life and I wasn't feeling good about myself and I was making bad choices health-wise that weren't, you know, were impacting my attitude and, um, dude, I just cried. Wow, that's that's great. <laughs> because I was like, I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just be honest with you. Yeah, that's great. I'm not okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's vulnerable of you, Nate. That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, but you have to find that moment. And again, I didn't know this guy. I know his dad. His dad's fantastic. So... I was like, I can trust him. I trust his father. I'll just, and he's not going to tell anybody that I cried, right? <laughs> you, <laughs> just you, you, well, <laughs> you just did. <laughs> but I said, people have to come to that point and say, uh, I need to seek that help. I need to seek somebody's ear. I need. And it can start with just being a, a friend or a colleague or something, yeah. you know, and, and then finding that professional help that you may or may not need. But just, man. There are, we have friends, we have neighbors, and I feel that's what's really, I feel really f- fortunate about is if I was in a bind right now, I, I, I could list 50 people off the top of my head right now so who for, would come yeah, to my we're rescue. We're so fortunate. Yeah, that's I feel, amazing. I feel so fortunate for that mm-hmm. and just knowing. And so there, there is a community. For, for somebody listening who doesn't have that, how did you cultivate that? How did, how did that happen? I just, man, you just I would say respect. Well, I mean, I, some, somebody who is out there listening that doesn't have anybody. They're like, I think I can't the talk big thing anyone. in our group of friends is is a shared faith. We those are people that are yeah. like minded, um, compassionate, um, share the same goals and and values. And so, I I know, and, and there's things from sports. Are getting our kids in sports and meeting new families and making friendships. Some of those are how these came along. Um, you know, people that we met through church, um, you know, at work, you know, going to work, meeting new people, meeting and talking to these people that you have different, um, opinions on a few things about, but just because they don't share my same political view, I still, I could call one of them up right now and say, Hey, I I'm stranded. My car's broke down. Could you give me a ride? Absolutely. Hey, my hot water heater just blew up. I don't have money to take care of that. Would you help me out? I mean, and I, there are others out there for other people. You're not alone. And it doesn't, don't hit me up for alone, everybody. <laughs> that kind of opened up a can of words. But, you know, just form your community. And it's amazing to feel that, to know that I have all those people, friends and family that I could call upon in a heartbeat that would help me out. That's the, amazing. The hardest part of that is just that first step. Is the vulnerability of just yeah, asking just the, for help. Well, Absolutely. But just, but it was just like the first step, the you, because in your mind you're like, okay, I can do this, like whatever it may be. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet new people. I'm gonna go to church. And then it comes to Sunday, and you're like, oh, man, I'll be the new guy. It's gonna feel awkward. People are gonna look at me like, who is this? And it's so that first step is the hardest step. Mm-hmm. But you gotta take the first step 
Otherwise, you, 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 you'll end up staying where you're at all the time. And you won't realize the reward. We yeah. talked about this earlier and talking about concerts or, you know, comedians to go see and things that we're glad mm-hmm. that we went and did. Yeah. Because we did it. We yeah. took that step to go try it and we're glad that we did. And yeah, you won't ever get a reward if you don't. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, like you were saying, you wouldn't know what you missed, you know, and you kind of got this thing, hey, what if I went? How would that have changed my life, you know? Um, or what kind of memory, the, you know, the concert like we were talking about. Now, if you're, if somebody was listening who doesn't believe, you know, in God and just mm-hmm. like, there, there's a lot of atheists out there that are good people. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, they're just, yeah. they're just good people. And they're like, yeah, I don't believe and I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm okay with that. You know, it's fine. Yep. Um, for those people who, um, you know, because church to me sounds attractive, like especially when you talk about the 50 people you can call right now and, you know, it's it sounds like a lot of them are from that community. Um, it's That sounds attractive to me. And it's, and like when I'm in Hawaii and I'm around my, my, my Hanai family that's very religious, they're not blood, but I feel like they would do anything for me and I would do anything for them. And I, and I feel like that's wrapped in, I hate to, I don't say I hate to say it, but it's wrapped in faith. That whole relationship is wrapped in faith. Because they believe in Jesus Christ, who was the ultimate servant, right? I mean, that's that right. was that's, a, that's the key example in all this, is that I wanted to be, I want to be Christ-like. Well, what would Christ do? Well, Christ would give, and Christ would foster those relationships, and Christ would build you up. He wouldn't, he wouldn't tear you down. Christ would be honest with me when I'm doing something wrong and, and hold me accountable, because I want to be accountable, and, and I believe in that. And when I surround myself with people with those same beliefs, guess what? We're all holding each other accountable, and we're all building each other up. And we're all expressing and learning and enjoying life. I mean, that's the greatest part of and I and I nothing again. I don't have any issues with people who don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's either, yeah. great. That's that's your choice. But I I prefer to think about the unknown, which is where do I end up when this heart stops beating? And I prefer to think of it in a way that there's an optimistic thing at the end of that, and my actions here on earth are going to impact that outcome. And therefore, I want to I want to live that life that promises me that ultimate gift. What is it like to live a life and think about the end of this is just done? You know, you can think about that and be like, well, then you should live every day to the fullest because someday it is going to end. And so therefore I'm going to make the most of it. And if I'm going to make the most of it, I should bring people that I want to love and I want to love me. I should bring them with me and make this the ultimate experience. I mean, that's how I would, well, I don't want also, to do that anyway, but I'm just, mm-hmm. you know what I'm you saying? talked about where else have we met people and it's through work too. Work is, I, yeah. I, I, I love some, yeah. And I love some of the people that I've worked with and that is a huge community, um, of, of people that are supportive, but that what Nate said made me think of something I, I have thought about with my kids and have made some comments to their friends is, um, who you choose to be around should make you a better person. Mm. Are they making you a better person? Whether that's a girlfriend, a friend, a classmate, whatever it is, it's like, are you surrounding yourself by people who make you better? And so that could be somebody that has a different faith or or different because they've taught you something else. Maybe they've taught you more patience. Mm. You know, maybe that's something I need to work. So there are people that I surround myself with that are good at being patient. And so I've learned that from them. There are other people who are good with finances that I've surrounded myself and learned from them. There are people who are more healthy, you know, and, and active and physical. And I like to surround them because they inspire me that way. So surround yourself by, by better people. And that is a, you know, that could be a cocktail of different kind of people, but they should be people that um, make you better. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny. The, the years I, um, so for, for 12 years of my 46 years, I ran Hastings Entertainment Stores, which were a multimedia store. We sold books, music, video, video games, that whole bit. It was the best job ever. But it, it attracted such a diverse work group of people. Mm. Um, because it's, it's book lovers. So you, I mean, my book manager could be a librarian at the biggest library in Chicago. You know, that's the type of person she was. It was the music manager who was just the audiophile and could tell you every song from every CD of every album, you know, that Pearl Jam ever made and, or Bob Seger or whomever. Right. And, and then it's your video manager who's just loves movies and all these people come together with some common interests, but just so diverse, man. And just people from all over the, all over the, the spectrum. Um, and how cool it was to bring those folks together and create a family and how close knit those relationships still are for so many of them. I, I ran into three of them at Louder House here in Farmington a couple months ago, and it was like a reunion. And it, but it's like no time had passed. We all cool. we all just loved each other and had such a great time just, you know, renewing that relationship. But work is so important for mm -hmm. that. Um, and hopefully you've got a good, you know, a good leader in that that role who's bringing good people together because then it makes it easier to be surrounded by folks who are, you know, have, have good thoughts and positive outlook and want to build you up and not tear you down. Yeah. We're at work so much that that's, that's, uh, that's integral. You have to have good working relationships or you should. Um, what you said was, uh, made me think of a podcast that I listened to recently. I think it was Joel Osteen was talking about this. He equated the people that you, uh, associate with with like a, a pilot that um has i think it was four different things that um a pilot has to think about and one is weight one is drag one is thrust and one is lift and who's lifting you who's really thrusting you forward and who's a weight you know who's bringing you down oh wow and who is what was the first one i said um drag <laughs> who's, who's a, who's a drag on your life, you know, and which ones do you really want to focus on? What kind of people do you really mm -hmm. want to focus on? And it was really cool. Cause it just made sense to me. It just made sense. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Um, thank you so much. I know your alarm just went off. Um, any, any, this has been amazing by the way. Any last words? I would just, Jason, thank you for bringing what you bring to this community, man. I've really enjoyed oh, talking man, with thanks. you and getting to know you. And um, I think you're making a positive impact. And, um, you know, parenting is is hard. Marriage is hard. But the reward of doing it right and sacrificing and putting everything you have into it is the rewards are incalculable. And, you know, our hope, of course, when we formed our marriage, we wanted to have kids. And we believe that, you know, our job is to raise those kids so that they can fulfill their utmost potential, whatever that potential may be. And we want to build them into that as best we can before they, they leave our roost. And, you know, I just encourage people out there that if you're in a position where you're feeling like you can't do that, then there are folks out there who, who can listen. I love the fact that Barbie's so, you know, eloquent in the way that she understands those organizations and knowledgeable about it. And I would encourage folks to, to reach out. Um, you know, the San Juan United Way is a great place to go first. If, if you're needing help, we've created the, the Need Help Hotline. Uh, we created it during covid and the San Juan United Way will help kind of get you the resource and get you to the people and organizations to help you with whatever that thing may be. Um, it could be, I need help paying my electric bill. It could be help, you know, I'm having problems at home with my, my spouse or, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah. There's organizations here to help. So um, I think that's a, a great thing about our community. 
uh, that awesome. we offer. That's awesome. Thank you so much um, for saying that. And then uh, thank you, Barbie. Of course, Nate, but thank you, Barbie, for being here. I didn't think, uh, when I asked Nate, I was like, you think your wife would want to come? It just took an ask. She was like, yeah, okay. Oh, that's awesome. Well, he, she's so, he, she's he, so good at this, right? He, he, she she's such a great, great job, man. She's great at it. I'm going to bring her on the radio. I didn't know she could do this. Wow. Look at what we did today, honey. <laughs> I like it. I like, I like kind of being in your world. They just you know, high five, yeah. guys. Yeah. 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 You know, like he gets to be on the radio and talk to all these kind of people. I just get a little smaller influence, you know, in the, in the you people. You should run for mayor. I'd vote for you're, you. You're <laughs> actually fantastic at Thanks. it. And you have a good voice, too. All right. All right. That's my new This is my new side side job. Yes. Start your little you should. podcast. You should start a little podcast of nurses. I think it'd be and, great. You know what? I know a lot about cleaning house. Anybody need some tips? <laughs> you could do a whole, we could create a whole YouTube channel on cleaning house. Yeah. 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 I know the sink's empty, right? It, you know. it better be. But uh. <laughs> I, I was the one that left it. So it was clean because I was actually cooking for once, yeah. which is he does that job because he's fantastic at it. My stuff's edible. I mean, it's cooked and it's, you know, it's. <laughs> It's um, certainly edible, but it's not near as appetizing and, you know, fragrant and flavorful. Well, and I, I know we didn't get into this, and I know we're trying to wrap this show up, but um, just how important it is for each person to play that part um, and and carry their own weight. You know, it's funny. I was at the grocery store a couple of days ago, and one of the ladies who worked at Grace Baptist uh, Academy, when our kids were there, she was in the grocery store. She's like, oh, Nate, did Barbie send you to the store? Or Barbie trusts you to go to the store? And I was like... Miss <laughs> Carlisle, you know, this, the store is my, this is my temple. That's his haven. Yeah, this is, this is where I, this is my deal. I'm the cook. I'm the shopper. This is what I do. Uh-huh. And so it's, you have those and traditional. And I do the yard work. Yeah, those traditional oh, awesome. roles. You know, we, we've just kind of, and my parents did the same thing and her parents did the same thing. We just share and, and where our talents are best expressed, we allow each other to express those talents. Mm. I think that's key is like, is finding what it is that you enjoy and the skills that you have to contribute and just being flexible with that. But we, we give and take if there's time, like recently I had, I had the time to cook and he, he didn't. So I, I stepped up there, but, um, identifying some of those things, those roles that need to be played. And that's where we've, I think we've been most successful is we're, we're definitely a team effort. There's not, um, isolation to responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I think both our kids are representative of that as well. And my son likes to cook. Okay. He's all focused on bulking up and getting big and working out. And he's created this whole thing and he's he's in the kitchen cooking chicken and eggs and that's cool. You know, and that that's great because I want him to be able to leave the house and have that skill. My daughter's in college and she'll send me a picture of stuff that she's cooking and she's like, my roommate won't eat any of my food. You know, she just eats chicken nuggets and <laughs> We always said we weren't going to have kids who ate chicken nuggets. You know, you're going to eat whatever's being made because that's how it was in my house. And they love it because they go anywhere and everywhere and they're they like, I'm going to try this. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. awesome. But yeah, we could go on about that all day. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to keep going. Like we'll do this again, but you remember the rapid fire I did last time? Oh yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Uh-oh. Uh, no, we'll do it. We'll do it again. But that's getting more into politics. I wanted to just rapid yeah. fire at him again because he was so good at it. He was like, Oh, I knew you were going to do this. Yeah. He's, re- he's really good on his, on his toes. Yeah. Well, sometimes. Yeah. But man, this has been awesome. And I thank you guys so much. I think it's going to help a lot of people. It's not, it wasn't necessarily, it was more to get to know you guys, but it just turned into this like really cool uh, podcast that I feel like is if somebody listens, it's having an issue for whatever it is, even if it's a small one in their marriage or in their family. And you, you were great at just 
rattling off all these organizations to help people. And I think that's fantastic that you have that just right here. And same with you, Nate. And um, yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much. And especially, Barbie, thank you for... Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. You're, you're a fantastic addition. So, yeah, we're at one or an hour and 35. I think it's going to be great. I'll post it later tonight so you guys can listen on Spotify and iTunes tonight or tomorrow. And uh, thank you again. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Yep. Okay.